Yeah. Okay. Am I on? Good. Joel is uh, likewise like a son to me in many ways. And, uh, you know, I was sitting there a while ago and I was thinking how amazing it is over the last 10 or 12 years. How many years has it been now? See, it's, oh, good night. Yeah, it's been a long time. It's been 15, 16, 12 years. <laughs> I never could count. But uh, it's been a long time. But, uh, you know, as I've come many times, uh, not a lot, but uh, many times we've been here, I can't remember how many, but the different locations that you guys have had over the years. And uh, what I'm amazed at is to see how God has moved in Joel's life and in the life of the Garden Community Church. And I tell you, we had church here this morning, and we could go home right now. Uh, I'm just so blessed as I see how my brother has matured and how he, his, God has used him. And in so many ways, I'm not saying that years ago it wasn't good. It was great. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I have to say this. Joel wasn't real crazy about structure. You guys have a good structure. <laughs> we, get, we all have to live with a little bit of structure in our life, right? But not we're going to bump into everybody all the time, right? Well, happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Let's give, give the fathers a hand. Well, I'm thankful for Joel to be here today and allow me to speak to you. And I just want to share my heart with you. Well, you know something? I, the one thing that I love so much when I read the Word of God is I, I look at the New Testament and I see as Christ came to the earth, and I get so excited because I think Christ came and he showed us the true heart of God and the true heart of grace. My friends, we need to balance truth and grace together. But oh, oh, truth is so important. But oh, my friends, have you benefited from God's grace this morning? God's grace, His amazing grace. And so we see it all through the New Testament so much, and we actually do see it in the, in the Old Testament. That's why I want to prove it to you this morning. If you'll turn in your Bibles or on your iPhones or whatever you've got to 1 Samuel chapter 30. There's a message on grace there for us today. You know, some of you fathers came in here this morning, and you were exhausted. You moms, too. <laughs> But it's Father's Day. And being a dad it can be a tough thing. It can be really rough in the, in the world that we live in today and all that we face and all the things we have to stand against and for. And, 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 and being that father there for our children. Those young, wonderful blessings that God has given to us. Dad, you're there. And I think this message was not meant to be a Father's Day message, but as I studied it, it became more and more a Father's Day message. Because, number one, fathers need grace. You need some grace. And let's talk about it this morning as we go here. I hope we can challenge each other this morning. How are you guys doing with the pandemic? Yeah, well, 
There's so much in this life. There's so much in where we live today. There's so many things that come against us. There's so many things that we have to struggle with all week long. And sometimes we get, we get exhausted. You ever feel that way? Like you just run out of strength to keep going on? Well, there's, there's just so much to deal with today in, in our society. The divisions that we see. And, and Satan is, is, is wreaking havoc in our world and in our culture. And moms against dads and children's against parents. And, and all of this is happening. And it, it becomes exhausting. Have you ever been so exhausted you couldn't go on? You just thought, I just can't go another step. I know some of you moms that work one and two jobs and then come home and, and then you work another two or three jobs at home. <laughs> it's exhausting. It's hard. Those dishes are still there. Those, those bedclothes are still there. The, the wash is still there. All those things are still there. Some of you dads are working three, three jobs to try to make it. Well, we're going to talk about being exhausted today a little bit and what God did for David and his men. Let's pray together. Father, meet with us today in a special way. Help us to receive the grace we need to carry on your work, to bring glory to you. Lord, I pray for this church, and Lord, I, I prayed for years for this church to have a permanent place to meet. But as Joel said, Lord, it doesn't matter where you meet. It's who you meet with. And Lord, you are here. And you're amongst us. And you're our only hope today. And so Lord, I pray that you'll renew Pastor Joel and his strength and th those deacons and those leaders that work here and all of the ones that do things that never get seen or never get heard or never get, get help for. Or get, but Lord, they're working for you. They love you, Lord. And I pray you give them strength today. I just pray, God, that you'll take this broken, older pastor and, and that you would take my lips and make them your lips, that you would take my eyes and make them your eyes, this, and Lord, that you would take my heart and make my heart like yours. Oh, God, that they might see Jesus today, not because of me, but because of you and the power of your Holy Spirit that is here today. We ask for that power to be present with us right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Well, if you go back to chapter 27, you see that King Saul is after David. <laughs> Most of you know that story of David's life and all, but King Saul had a love-hate relationship with David. He loved David so much, and he would call him in to have him soothe him, and he'd play the harp, and, and David was a, he, loved, he loved King Saul. But he just couldn't, he just couldn't, he was so, so jealous because David had his winnings in battle and the things that he did and, and, and it, it, he just couldn't handle it. And so he, he went after David. And we see that in chapter 27, but King Achish here, David has to make uh, some alliances with somebody to help because Saul's always after him. And he makes this alliance with King Achish. And King Achish gives David a little town, Ziglag. And David has all these misfits for him in his little army, his little band. He needs some help because when you've got the king after you, you've got to have somebody to protect you. And so, king, he, so David has these 600 men that come together, and they're, they're just a bunch of misfits. In fact, a lot of them are running from the law, so to speak. You know what I mean? 
They're not the greatest of guys, some of them, but, but they, nonetheless, they, they team up with David and they understand David and they, they appreciate him and they come to love him and to know him. And so here we have Ziglag, and there's probably a little over 2,000 people living there because there's 600 men. Most of them were married and they had children. And you've got this little town. And so King Achish is to fight with his allies. He asked David to come and help him fight because he had given him this town and he, he wanted David to help him and David had agreed to be there for him. And, and so now he, he asked David to come and help him. And he gets there and they, they, they go three days of marching to, this, uh, to the place of battle where they're about to take on. And uh, King Achish is allied with the Philistines. And they say, oh, we don't want David. <laughs> He's marched three days with 600 men and now we don't want this man to be in the battle. Get him out of here. Do you know why that it's true? These were Philistines. You, you, hear, you remember the story of David as a teenager? and a slingshot, and a couple stones. <laughs> he kind of did in their giant, their greatest warrior. They hadn't forgotten that, by the way. They said, get him out of here. We don't like this guy. We don't care about his men. We'll do the battle ourselves. Well, they traveled three days to the battle. Now they get rejected, and they travel three days back. Six days on the road, probably didn't have all the food they needed for that. It was a rough trip. They were exhausted, and they're coming home to Ziglag. And as they come down the road, getting near to Ziglag, they look up and they see smoke. And there's all this smoke, and all of a sudden, as tired as they were going six days, all of a sudden, they start double-timing it. What's going on at Ziglag? And they're heading home, and they're exhausted. And they find their little city is burning, and it's in shambles. And guess what? Nobody's there. It's abandoned. My wife's not there. My, my, my children are not there. They're all gone. And the Amalekites, the Amalekites, who were the enemies of Achish, had come and destroyed the city and taken everyone. So they're looking for their families, and they're gone. Every child, every woman. The camp was burned, and their families are gone. Look at verse 4 in chapter 30, if you would. They're so tired. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voices, and they wept until they had no more power to weep. Look at verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons, for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You've got the picture. Here they are, six days on the road. Their home is destroyed. Their children, their, all of their families are gone. They have lost hope. There's no hope here. You can't see any hope here. The men got real upset. My wife is gone. What kind of leader do we have? My wife and kids are gone. Everyone has turned on David. And they're exhausted. And they're hungry. And instead of coming home what they thought to their house, 
with mom being there and a meal on the table, my goodness, you could almost taste it. Couldn't you? Six days on the road, man. Your feet are killing you. And your stomach's empty. And there's no, there's no meal waiting for you. Boy, they get a little upset with David. He's the leader. You know, when things go bad, guess what? Joel, guess what? The leader gets in trouble. Well, look at verse 8. David inquires of the Lord. And how he does this, he calls Abathar the priest. And he calls for Abathar. And he says, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. God speaks. David went to prayer and called the priest. He knew what to do. He knew to go to the Lord. He needed help. He couldn't do it. Everything was, there was no hope. David couldn't give him hope. Joel can't give you hope. He can give you Jesus. And then you can have hope. Boy, did David need that prayer. More than that, he needed the answer to that prayer. He talks to his men, and he talks them into going after their families and after them. And all 600 men take off. They're exhausted. They come after a few, uh, after about a day or so, they come to a brook. And it's called the Brook of Besor. And the valley of Besor. And when they get there, 200 of the men, and the Bible says, they were so faint that they couldn't even cross over this brook. It wasn't a river, it was a brook. But they were too exhausted, mentally, physically, emotionally. They'd had it, they couldn't go anymore. Let me ask you, how tired do you have to be to give up finding your wife and your children? These men were tired. They were exhausted. How tired do you have to be to give up on your family and say, now this is about me. I just can't go on anymore. I can't do it anymore. So 200 men stay at Bezor. Do you know something? The pain of sin can leave you at Bezor. These exhausted men are at Bezor. Addiction can leave you at Besor. Family problems can leave you at Besor. Drugs can leave you at Besor. You say, I'm just sick and tired, so sick and tired, I'm not going any farther. That's just what the 200 of them did. They stopped. Now look in verse 11. David gets blessed. Verse 11, he says, And they found an Egyptian slave in the field, and brought him to David, and gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. And the man gets revived, and it takes three days for him to get revived. He was in bad shape. I don't know what they did to him. <laughs> but the Amalekites, I mean, they, they, they did something to him. And, and the, in verse 15, here's what it, he says, if you will promise not to kill me or give me back to the Amalekites, I'll bring you down to your enemy. 
David, I know something. I'm a slave, but I was there. I saw, I know what's going on. I can tell you, I can, I can bring you down to, the, to, to your enemies. See, God arranged all of this for David. In verse 17 and 18, it says that David found them eating and drinking it up because of all the spoils that they had taken from the Philistines and Judah and Ziglag. They had all of it all loaded up. And they're having a party. The Malachites are just having this great old party. They've, they think they've got it good. And David attacked them, the Bible says, from twilight till the evening of the next day. And not a man escaped except there were 400 of them on camels. And when they saw what was happening, they all took off. Humpty dump. Humpty dump. Go. Yeah, man, those camels got them out of there. Everybody else, not one of them, got away. It says in verse 18, David recovered all that they had carried away. I want you to picture this in your minds. They're all mounted up, going back to Ziglag. And they've recovered all the goods. And they've recovered all of their families. Everybody seems to be okay. This is a miracle, man. God has restored, God has rescued them. Some of you here today, you were in a situation like this. You had no hope. And guess what? God rescued you. God came to you and he gave you grace. He went to the cross for you. He bled and died. And you know, more than that, you know, we always think of the physical, physical things. You know, the, the nails in his hands and the spear in his side and the, the lashes on his back. But guess what, brother? The, the, the sun went dark. And God poured out my sin on Jesus. He poured out your sin on Jesus. And he took the pain of my sin, every sin I've ever done. I'm going to tell you something. I'm in love with Jesus. You know why? Because he took my sin. All of it. And he made me clean. And he gave me hope where there was no hope. There was no hope here. But here in the Old Testament, God gave him hope. And they start off. And you hear some woman crying, Honey! Honey, where are you? I mean, they're going back to, toward the brook Bezor. See, they're coming back. Where's my husband? Oh, oh, your husband, he's not here. What do you mean he's not here? He stayed back at the brook. Uh, he was tired. He was tired! I tell you what, he's, he's at Bezor. I tell you what, he's going to be sore, all right. <laughs> well, your husband didn't come. He stayed at the brook. Dude, does, does he realize what those Amalekites did to me when they carried me off? And he's not here? I mean, there were some people pretty upset. A third... So this is what you have. You have 400 rescuers. They're sore and they're upset because they had to do all the work. I mean, they had to battle. It was probably 10 to 1 in odds, but they were fighting for God. And, and they, just like God always do, the odds might not look like you're going to win. But with God, nothing is impossible. So these 400 had to do all the fighting. And they're a little bit upset with the 200 that sat back by the river. And they're drinking spring water. Yeah. So you have these third of the families, they're angry at their husbands, 
children are angry at their fathers. They didn't come get them. They're, but these 200 are exhausted, and they're just getting some rest. And they get back to the camp. Look at verse 22. The 200 are coming out to meet the 400 with David and their families. And you know what David does? David salutes them. He salutes the 200. Now these guys did all the work. They got the, they got the cuts and the bruises from the battle. But he salutes the 200. Look at verse 22. Then answered all the wicked men, the misfits, the worthless men that David had with him. He had all these misfits of those that went with David and said, because they went not with us and they, they are not going to get any of the spoils that we brought back, that we recovered, save to every man, his wife and his children, they need to get out of here. So the 400 are saying, Okay, we're going to be good to these guys. We're going to allow them to take their wives and children back. But we don't want them back in Ziglag. We want them out of there. We did all the work. You remember that David had a heart for God. It says in verse 23 and 24, it says, My brethren, David says, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, watch this, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies they shall share alike. You know, in verse 25, if you look at that later on, look at it today, but it says, this became a statute in Israel unto this very day. This very day, they say, if you're guarding the supplies or you're out in the battle, you get the same reward. You, your job is just as important to guard the stuff. Do you know what J David just done? He had just exonerated those men in front of their wives and their families. David says, ladies, I don't know what these men told you. But your men stayed by the stuff. They were guarding the stuff. Well, what's that have to do? In a few minutes, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. What's it have to do with Father's Day? Well, the three lessons they have something to do with. You know, I probably would have been one of those guys that said, get them out of here. More likely, though, at my age, I'd been one of the guys back at the brook. I mean, I, get, I had to sit down here a while so I could stand up here long enough to preach to you. I'm getting up there. You know, the golden age ain't so golden. But the Lord has been good to me. He's blessed me. Yeah. I want to tell you something this morning. David did something that was worthy of honor, worthy of mentioning here today. David showed these men the heart of Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't come as a baby. He was, says it's before the world began. Genesis 1 says, let us. The Trinity was involved in the creation of this world, and Jesus was there in his spirit. And so David showed them the heart of Jesus, and David gave grace where there should have been judgment. Judgment. 
Eugene Peterson tells of a woman that signs her letters, yours at Brook Bezor. She knows about, she knew about exhaustion, she knew about frustration, she knew about how hard the world can be. And she knew that all of us get to a place sometimes that you can't put one little thing more on my plate or I'm just going to drop the whole thing. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The church is a place for God's soldiers to recover when they're tired and when they're exhausted. And you come in here on Sunday mornings and this is a place to renew your strength in the Lord. I wish every church was that way. You're blessed. I'm going to tell you something. You are blessed to have this church. Joel's not trying to be a CEO of a company. He's trying to lead people to Jesus. Haven't you missed the fellowship this last year and a half that been, we've been disrupted and all the things that have happened? Hadn't it been hard? You can't go up and hug your brother, hug your sister, tell them how much you love them, how much Jesus loves them. It's been hard. David said, these guys are tired. David was probably thinking, you know, he said, I had, if I'd only left some guards at Ziglag, all this might not have happened. It's probably my fault. Well, the first lesson at Bezor's, this is it, number one. It's easier to give when you've been given. It's a lesson in grace. How many of you here have been forgiven? Have you been forgiven? Hey, is it easier for you to forgive somebody else? Oh, yeah, that humbles you. God took my, he took my stuff. Why can't I give it a grace to somebody else? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord, I gave it to you, but I received it from the Lord, that which I also delivered to you, God's grace. In the upper room the night before the cross, the Lord Jesus, that same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. In a few minutes, we're going to take the bread, which represents the broken body, the torn bread, the broken body of Jesus, which was broken for you and you and you and everybody else out here in Baltimore and all around the world. Do you know why David had grace for these men? Because God had grace for David. Do you remember Bathsheba? <laughs> you know, David, uh, he's an amazing character. I sometimes wonder, Saul, you know, he, did, he, he was just a little arrogant and he was jealous, but God took away his kingdom. David was a liar, a murderer, an adulterer. Bathsheba, you know the story. You know, Uriah the general, he had him killed. Put him in the front of the battle. David was a scoundrel, wasn't he? Do you know what the difference in Uriah and David was? David's heart beat for God. He, he messed up. Have you ever messed up? David messed up. And God gave him grace. David knew how to give grace because David had gotten grace. We deserve hell and God's judgment. Have you ever had someone ask you, how could a loving God send anybody to hell? No, that's not the question. 
The question is, how could a holy God allow a sinner like me to go to a perfect heaven? Amen? The bread is the perfect symbol of grace. It will be in your hand in a few minutes if you take the Lord's Supper with us as we close. The broken body of the Lord Jesus. Now the second lesson of grace here is number two. Those who supply and those who guard the supplies are both needed. Look at verse 24. David says, For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the stuff. They shall share alike. It's a lesson on gifts. You know why? You aren't to judge God's people. Did you know that? We all are given different gifts. If you read in Corinthians, it tells us about we all get different gifts in the body of Christ. We're all different. We're all gifted different. You got gifts I don't have. You can do things I, don't, I, I can't do. Because I haven't been there. You, you know, you gotta, if you haven't been there, you can't take somebody else there. If you've been a drug addict and God has saved you and out of that, you, you can minister like nobody else can. I, I thank God I never got into drugs. But I have counseled with many drug people, believe me. And I always get somebody to come alongside them that's been there, that knows about what they're doing. You may look at people and you come to church and you think, my goodness, <laughs> they, never, they never cleaned the, the toilets back there. I, I, I saw they were getting cleaned this morning. They don't change the diapers in the nursery. They don't even lead a Bible study. They just come and sit and they enjoy it all. My friend, y'all want to tell you something. You don't have any idea what that person went through this week. You're not their judge. We're not to judge each other. We're to help each other. Amen? God says, I have a job for you to do. And every one of us have a different job. Everyone should serve God. I'm not saying they shouldn't. With all of your heart. In John chapter 21 and verse 20, Peter asked Jesus this question. He said, how is, God, how is John going to die? And Jesus had told Peter just in a minute how he was going to die. He said, Some, someday they're going to lead you off, Peter, uh, by your hand. And you're going to go somewhere you don't want to go. And you know where he went? He went to be crucified upside down. What did Jesus say to Peter when he's acting? He wants to know about John. He says, Peter, he said, what business is that of yours? You don't need to know about that. You just follow me. Peter, you follow me. Don't you worry about John. So don't worry about your neighbor. Pray for them. Help them when they need help. If you've got the gift to do it, you do it. So it's a, lesson on, it's a lesson on grace. It's a lesson on giving. The Lord's Supper is all about grace, and it's about giving, and it's about sacrifice. Grace, giving, sacrifice. Guess what fathers, what's, what's the fatherhood all about? Grace, giving, sacrifice. If you don't give and have grace for your children, if you don't sacrifice for your children, I question your love for your children. Everybody that loves their children will give them grace when they need it. 
But you have to have grace first so you can give it to them. If you don't have God's grace, Dad, today, if you don't have Jesus in your heart today, you aren't going to give much grace, are you? You're going to live by the law, the letter of the law. And the law was the schoolmaster in the Old Testament that teaches how to live by grace. The, the law is it's good, yeah, the, the Ten Commandments are there, but guess what? Everybody here has broken it. And we need grace. No, we try to live by that law, don't get me wrong. Do it right. But have grace for those that haven't. Have grace for those that are broken, need to be mended. We have the broken bread. people they they knew would forsake them deny them when Jesus came remember the Lord's Supper that night in the upper room he invited everybody (laughs) you know Peter Peter was there you know what Jesus knew about Peter he knew that night that Peter would deny him one time no two times no Three times. He knew Peter would deny him three times, and he wanted him there anyway. He had Judas there. He knew Judas would betray him. I really believe God, Jesus' heart was open to Judas. To, to, I don't, and I don't know what happened to Judas for sure. I know he hung himself. That wasn't a good deal. But I think Christ, his blood at the cross was for everybody. That same night, Jesus took the cup that represented the blood shed for all of the sins of the world, and he blessed it. The older I get, the more I appreciate the cross and the sacrifice that was made and the, the sins that he took all upon him and the pain and the suffering of Christ. And we were to remember that. He says, remember me when you do this. I know you guys do this every week, but it's such a special thing. In just a few moments, we're going to be partaking of the broken body and the blood that was shed, a representative of the blood that was shed for you. Don't take it lightly today. Number one, it's easier to give when you've been given to. Number two, those who supply and those who guard the supplies are both needed. And the last lesson is in verse 25. So it was from that day forward he made it a statue, an ordinance from Israel to this day. When David made that ordinance, it was a lesson on glory. It was a lesson saying, I must, I must tell you what God has done. I don't deserve this, but God did it for us. We all thought our wives and children were gone. There was no hope. You know, when, at the cross, when they took Jesus' body down, Mary was there. John was there. And they took that lifeless body. And they had no hope at that time. They, what are they going to do? They just, he's dead. But guess what? Three days later came Sunday. And the resurrection. And God gave us hope. And today we have hope. We have hope for life after death. No matter how bad this life here is, no matter how much trouble, how much pain you've had, Lord, we win in the end, man. Dads, we're going to win. You stay with Jesus with your children and you will win in the end. 
You can't be responsible for what everybody does, but you can be responsible for what you do. And you can be a winner with Jesus. God exchanges my guilt. This is number three. God exchanges my guilt for His glory. That was what the cross does. My guilt for His glory. Paul said that why I glory in the cross. I deserve hell. I deserve the separation from God. I deserve to be abandoned by God. But Jesus took my abandonment when He said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He did it for you. Think about it as we close. Some of you may, if you can remember back before you got get, came to the Lord, can you remember back then? You were in the enemy's camp. You were in there with the Philistines. But that day that you met Jesus, you came out of the enemy's camp. And you have a home in heaven. I just did a funeral of my own sister. On Mother's Day, she died. She was eight years younger than me. She suffered for 60 years. She was 65 years old. And she was sick from the time she was three. I, I used to have to lay in the bed next to her and she would hold my finger because she, was, she had been to so many doctors and had so many surgeries. At four years old, she could cry all night long. And when it got dark, she got scared. And my arm would ache as she'd hold my finger. If I pulled it away, she'd start crying. But she was the strongest woman of faith I've ever known. Over a hundred surgeries she had. And she, the last thing she told me, she says, there's no mountain God can't move. I mean, you get discouraged, man. I'm going to tell you, my sister, she had every right to, to throw it in. But she went home with Jesus a couple weeks ago. And guess what? She, she had no voice. She, now she's got a voice to sing with the angels. For 65 years, she couldn't sing. For 65 years, she could barely whisper. But she went home to be with Jesus and sing the chorus. And I'm so thankful that we had the hope of Jesus this morning. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you for the hope that is in you. Lord, it looked so desolate. It looked so bad for these guys. They lost everything. But Lord, you restored their families. Lord, you, there's dads here today that are not doing what they should be doing. Lord, you can restore their families. All they've got to do is give themselves totally to you. All they've got to do, Lord, is really surrender to you and make you Lord of their lives. And Lord, everything won't be perfect, but Lord, you will work in their lives. You will work in the lives of their children. God, I pray for the Father today that needs you the most right here, that they will find you this day. They will give their heart to you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.